episode 157 today, boys. Um, fun thing I wanted to drop in before we even got on to everything else. I listened back to one of my earlier episodes, and it was with uh, a couple of other lads that were Amir, um, who is Mile High Seagulls. He's from Colorado. He's a dentist out there. Um, he got into the Albion from Yahambach. He's Iranian origin and he's like he got in from there um and russell who now does the brighton rock podcast um and we did a coronavirus podcast that was two days after everything shut down and wow were our takes bad (laughs) (laughs) it was uh it was all of the ideas we had of like how to resolve things None of them happened. Not even close. Everything was a lot more mundane than our wild ideas. And I just thought it was funny listening back to how outrageously wrong we all were. And speaking of, let's talk about transfers. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the bad texts will continue. Yeah, they will. Um, they're not going to get any better uh, because, as you say, um, the transfer window is here and that can only go one way. Um, let's, let's talk about the FA Cup first, the magic of the cup. Uh, to be fair to the Cup, it has had a couple of uh, pretty special games on this weekend already. Um, I think the lack of replays has probably helped put into that too because it's that win-or-die kind of mentality for a lot of these teams. Uh, Morecambe were a bit unlucky today. Uh, They gave everything and Spurs are able to bring on Moore and Harry Kane in desperate times, desperate measures. Um, But uh, Kidderminster, however... We're able to hold off. Um, Boreham Wood also coming through. Uh, and I think Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Boreham now is the next is the next round's tie, right? I think that's one of them. Uh, I think so. Unfortunately for the Albion, uh, not so thrilling. Um, we have Spurs away. Um is our fourth round tie. Uh, so let's discuss um, the likely to be only tie we win in this week's FA, this year's FA Cup. Uh, West Bromwich Albion away, the Hawthorns. Uh, packed to the rafters um, <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, I, I thought say. something had happened. I thought there was like an outbreak or uh, I didn't know what went on. But why was why was that? Jeff Stelling was taking the piss out. I was, I was, about, I was about to say, yeah, even Jeff Stelling caught on with it. But uh, yeah, it looked very... Uh, very sporadic. Obviously, we piped the away end, as as you do in the Battle of the Albions. But uh, I, I have no idea why why there was. I mean, at least they were socially distancing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, was it was baffling because the first thing I thought was like, oh, are they doing worse in the league than I thought? And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, they're in the playoffs. They've spent money already. This this transfer window. They're improving by the looks of it. Like their results are actually getting better, not worse. And there was about eighteen West Brom fans there. <laughs> Very odd. Very odd. Yeah, it's not like we're some, you know, third tier side. Like, surely you want to want to come and watch these games. I I assume it was a a budget price as well. I mean, I, I can't imagine there was, it was fifteen pound. I saw someone tweet. I mean. You you don't get cheaper than that really now, nowadays game, especially in the championship playoffs at the point. Well, they let maybe if they had a few more fans there, they would have g'd them up and caused a prevented an equaliser and an extra time winner. But so be it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is not what happened, um, and they really were their own worst enemy yesterday. Um, I felt like they just did everything possible to cause themselves problems uh, from the beginning. Uh, we did make seven changes yesterday to the side. Um, we had Sherpen come in, which I was very happy about. Um, I've been wanting to see him for a while, considering we probably signed him to be the backup originally, and then he got hurt almost immediately. Um, Duffy, Alzate, Gross, Solly March, Danny Welbeck, and defender Ofaya Odaluga uh, from the under-23s, who ended up coming in and playing at right wing back. Um, how do we feel about that lineup? We had a lot of strength on the bench. Sanchez, Kukurea, McAllister, Trossard, Moda, Roberts, Leonard, Turns, and Ferguson. Um, what, what were your thoughts when you saw that lineup? 
here's what I didn't like about it. Uh, I I think this, and some of this comes down to just the fact that we just don't have necessarily the true squad depth. A lot of those players play regularly for us, week in and week out. And, and the FA Cup, especially games like this, enables you to bring in players that don't regularly get game time and allow themselves to prove a point and come in and put be extra high energy um, and and put a, put a performance, impress. And I think we saw for large chunks of yesterday's game a bunch of players that didn't care that much. That's what it felt like. I know stats-wise we looked great, um, but the some of the the first half especially was just miserable. Um, flashes from a fire. Uh, he made some really nice forward runs. I mean, not that we need another right wing back at the moment, but he, you know, he, I'm sure he could play elsewhere too. But he showed some nice flashes. Outside of that, it just felt like um, a subpar performance for for large swathes of that game for me. And yeah, I think it just felt drab and. You're, with the seven changes, you're expecting to see, you know, someone try and make a difference, maybe make a name for themselves, as Adam has just alluded to. But, um, yeah, just a, a real lack of emphasis. And I, I think just weren't at the races, especially in the first half. Um, and giving these opportunities to Sherpin and Ophia and trying to get them bedded in. And, and Ferguson will speak about him, I'm sure. Um, but we, we are playing a team in the championship playoffs as well. It's, it's not that we're putting a second 11 out. And I was surprised at how strong we went and how seriously we were taking it, which makes it even more disappointing about how lackadaisical that first half and the second half, to be completely honest, and um, just how little, uh, I guess, how little fire and passion we had to actually go ahead and win that game. Yeah, it felt, for me personally, it felt like there was only one player on that pitch that, well, two, um, one of them was Mope, but he's not the fastest player in the world. So like he was he was struggling the whole time, uh, trying to hit them on the break every now and again. Um, but I thought the only player that really looked like they wanted to make a name for themselves out there uh, was Mwepu in that first half an hour. Uh, he was yeah. everywhere in that final third and all over the midfield. He was just all over the place. Um, and then promptly does what looks to be a hamstring injury on 28 minutes and comes off for McAllister. Um, and from then on, uh, I think you're both spot on. It was a fact. It was one of those games where the stats don't tell the same story as the eye test, uh, massively so. Um, you know, it's them them having four shots to our 21, 70 percent possession. You know, all this dominating statistical performance, and I don't think anybody watching that game yesterday felt like that was a reflection of the performance at large. Um, and that's massively skewed, I think, statistically as well, given we had, what, 40 minutes against 10 men. You know, it'll be interesting to see what, in those first 65 minutes, what those stats actually look like. Um, because, yeah, I, it really didn't feel that way. We can we can say 21 shots to their four, but at 70 minutes, was it really that skewed? And statistically, were we that much better? Probably not. No, we weren't. I can tell you, uh, we had eight mm-hmm. shots to their four uh, with 60% possession. So... No, <laughs> it was it was not the case. Um, and in terms of shots on target, it was only two to their one. So at that point in time, it was exactly what we were saying, right? Like the eye test is definitely different to what the stat sheet says. Um, we were not in a particularly strong place uh, until the red card, really, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, because um, he was uh, Kipre or Kipro or however you pronounce his name. He was... Uh, bit mental from the from the beginning store um, brand Kimpembe as we <laughs> both talked about yeah honestly thought he was lucky to get away with not getting a booking early on in the first half um there was a challenge he made on someone I can't remember who it was but I felt like he was lucky to get in at half time not on a booking so for him to go ahead and get two in a space of about three minutes was just so apt I thought he was he was a bit of a wild card I think this is one of those games really where you um you 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 walk away thankful that you won um and you don't dig in too deeply and try to overanalyze it and figure out all the problems you get a bit fortunate with a red card you find a win a couple of young players get a little bit of game time uh, and you move on to the next round where you know 
if you want to talk about sides that put in subpar performances and don't look like they're really playing the full 90, well, we're going to play Spurs. Wonderful. Um, so <laughs> I think you're off the back of it. You know, that, that game against Everton, a really impressive run. The, the, we've not broken that. This isn't a disaster that's occurred. And now we go into that game against Palace in five days uh, at home without having a complete devastating run. They should be energised and galvanised by snatching an extra time winner there, despite the sort of rather bland opposition. Yeah. Forgettable, I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like West Brom always is. I I really do feel like our games at West Brom are just particularly turgid. Um, That's why no fans were there. Yeah. Yeah. Jake Livermore, forgot he was a thing. Um, so happy to see him back getting his customary booking that I have been seeing for many a year. Um, and let's talk about the goal, though, uh, before we get to the the kind of the, the 10 men and, and the after effects of that. Uh, Carlon Grant looked to talent again today. Um, I thought he put well, yesterday, I thought he played pretty well uh, for what he was asked to do. Um, Callum Robinson was the man who scored it. Uh, Albion... That back line, Burn, Duffy and Veltman, they are not a back line capable of dealing with a counter-attack, even at championship level, are they, boys? That was uh, that was harrowing to watch. And it wasn't Do we have a back line that can deal with a counter-attack? Oh, which one is that? Which players are they? <laughs> I feel like uh, when we do have Lamptey, especially from set pieces and things like that, we are at least capable of having one player track back. Um, yesterday, though, whew, uh, not good um, and like I said that was not the first time we looked susceptible on the break yesterday um, and I honestly thought they were good value for the lead really they, they they committed the perfect smash and grab of just sit back the Premier League smash and grab of yeah let Brighton have all the possession we'll hit them on the break score and shut them out and it looked like they were going to go ahead and do that until the red card yeah I think so Uh I mean, it's, it's such a high line for such a slow centre-back <laughs> threesome that it, it was always going to be the case. And you had, what, Dean Garner on, you had Callum Robertson, Carlin Grant. They're, they're going to do that as a very, very good executed attack that I think we all knew was going to come. Um, but and, and like you said, we, we didn't look like we were causing them any problems whatsoever. It just looked like a very drab, okay, this will peter out and we'll... We'll focus on the league, but uh, their centre back decided to give us a way into the game. Their goal was it wasn't just a really big throw in, and then that was it. It was just, a, <laughs> and then Veltman had to sort of run across to make up for the lack of pace from the other centre backs, which then left Grant just standing on his own uh, to score. I mean, we yeah, we've we've just we've seen this one before, haven't we? Um, how, I, I'm wondering how much this starting lineup and the fact that we started to bring on some of the big guns relatively early on, outside of the Mwepu injury, like a fire came came off 56 or something like that minutes. Um, you know, Kukurea came into the game, then we made a triple, was it triple or double substitution a little bit later in the game. Um, part of that feels like after we went out of the, the, the other cup, the League Cup against Leicester, like you kind of need to not go out of this one because then all your eggs are in that league basket. I think Potter probably was thinking we 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 have to just at least get to the fourth round here. Yeah, and and you're right. It was two sets of double substitutions. Um, I think Offia looked a bit hurt. You know, like he had pulled something or knocked something. Yeah, because he was um, playing pretty well for, for in, in certain parts. It felt weird to bring him off. Yeah, I, I don't think that one was was a intentional tactical swap. Um, likewise from Webu, so I think two of the four, five subs were enforced um, in terms of personnel. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Webu get that full ninety minutes almost with with the way he yeah. was charging around. Um, Trossard and Kukurea came on shortly after the goal. They definitely added that bit of quality. Um, but the major turning point was obviously the red card and then the double substitution about five minutes afterwards uh, of Evan Ferguson and Jakob Moda. Um, the Kipri two yellows, the fellow had been a bit mental all day. I said it already, but what a stupid challenge to get that second yellow card. 
What was he thinking? On Mope of all players, uh, not exactly known for his lightning fast ability to get away from a man. But did he <laughs> did he really not back himself that much? I I don't know. They they were two very quick yellow cards in succession, wasn't it? It reminded me of Jimenez earlier this season, where you just pick up two silly yellows. Um, where I don't know. I obviously I he wasn't all there in the head all game, but it just seems like he just lost it a little bit of that sixty five minutes. Um, committed two silly fouls, and you, even I thought the ref was. As, as good as he could be um but you could easily see he was just like you gave me no choice like you, you made two silly yellow card fouls and you have to go um yeah really strange second challenge i didn't the ref had too uh stylish a haircut for me i'm i'm very much a big believer <laughs> in uh, referees aren't allowed to look uh, fashionable i think they need to look uncool uh, it's almost like teachers in a, in a way, and no offense to teachers that are listening. I, I want them to, to look academic and not focused on their visual appearance because I feel like it detracts from their role. Just a little side note to add. <laughs> Just off topic. You know, yeah. The funniest thing is, is I was going to say, like teachers. Um, so I guess we're all on the anti-fashionable <laughs> teachers alliance here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so just like a really big tactical a bit of discussion there yeah 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 um the the big tactical decision from graham was that second set of double subs uh evan ferguson and jacob moda on for veltman and alzate um jacob moda obviously we know what he's about at this point um he's he's always got that touch of quality but there's always been a question of like inconsistent definitely wasn't yesterday um and the the much anticipated 17 year old evan ferguson that people have been wanting to see for a while now um big fella for 17 isn't he um i was surprised uh i'd seen him in the under 23s but he didn't stand out that much but i guess in that game yesterday uh i thought huh he's a big lad for 17 um and within six minutes combined uh for the first goal um not sure Evan Ferguson meant to get on the assist sheet with it. It looked like he was trying to push it around the player and break past him. Um, but the the impact was immediate. And at that point, we were well back in the game. Really good. Yeah. I, I just always, we always harp on and on, don't we, about midfielders plugging in with goals as well and, and being able to, well, hit the target, let alone get on the score sheet. So, um Really, and every time we see Moda, especially when he comes off the bench, he does make a difference. And I think he's really settling into this team now, this season. But we're seeing him push on, kind of like we saw Trossard in his second season as well, where he's starting to adapt and he's starting to get it. Uh, so really pleased, big fan of Moda, obviously. And Ferguson, 17 years old, coming on and making a difference within five minutes is not not going to um, not going to do wonders for the hype that's surrounding him at the moment. But um, hope, hopefully we can manage that. What was funny is he had a, a good few little touches and sparks that he showed, but his, as you said, his touch for the assist was crap. Uh, <laughs> just a bad touch. That, but Moda, every game that he plays, even if he's had a bad game, he's he's probably our best forward runner. Like the runs that he makes in the channels are very, very, very impressive. And he gets into these positions where he's afforded these opportunities and finished really nicely. Um, Evan Ferguson should start making, and well, we'll get onto this unless we sign someone, obviously, but he should now be the Connolly role. And, and I think that it's a no brainer, but I also think he offers you far more upside as an individual based on the fact that even if Connolly came good for us, you're still constantly waste. Like what we talked about last week, the sort of Antonio Brown in the NFL could be very talented, but at some point he might explode because he's nuts. Um, Evan Ferguson seems like he's got more sensible head on his shoulders. Let's, let's bed him in. slowly. give him 10 minutes here and there in certain games. Um, more than, more than happy to see more of him. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Um, unless there's, unless there's a move inwards, um, and if there is a move inwards, then I think I think he's primed for a, for a loan. If that's the case, pop him out on loan towards the end of January um, and see what he can do elsewhere. Um, yeah, but Moda instant impact goal. 
they were very lucky to get through to extra time. I think uh, they were hanging on by a thread. Uh, it was very much like those football manager games when you've gone down to 10 men, you put like eight people in a line <laughs> and just hope to squeeze out a, a point. Um, and, and they were able to hold on to a draw. Um, they were not able to hold on anywhere close to penalties. Um, Mopay, again, from a motor run into the channels, uh, that was able to just push the ball nicely through for Neil. And uh, he, mm-hmm. he didn't miss, which is nice. Um, slotted it comfortably into the corner. Uh, and that was it, really. It was very comfortable from then on out, I thought. Um, one thing I do want to touch on uh, before we can move on uh, to, to anything else we want to talk about, David Button yesterday. Um, <laughs> not sure. Obviously, he was very hyped. I know, at, like Adam had said in our group chat, it was, or Craig, one of you both had said, it was... Uh, it was his return to his old club and his chance uh, to prove himself as a as a viable number one for West Brom. Um, it looked like he was keen to prove himself as a possible number three, six, nine, <laughs> and anything else. Uh, he was willing to play just about anywhere yesterday. It was like rush goalies was in. He definitely looked like a number two for most of it, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> He's taken taking the sweeper keeper to the next level. Really, um, some of the I don't know what he was doing. And to be fair, despite the number two, uh, he made a couple of good saves too. Um, the the one with McAllister in the second half um, did was a good stop, um, but otherwise erratic and nowhere near, or should be anywhere near, of a number one spot in any championship team. Um, so. Fair, fair play to him for for giving it a good go. Um, it was entertainment for what it was worth. Um, but we would have been very pissed if we lost that game. What was that one with the first half? We sort of just, I think it was the first half. He was almost at the halfway line. He sort of came out and sort of, did he ch- knee it or chest it? I can't, or shin it? I can't remember what he did. And and then there was a, there was a call for maybe a handball against Mope or something. Um, it just weird, just weird, weird play. Uh, yeah. Thank, thankfully, we've got a, a better stable of, of goalkeepers at this point. Let's see. Yeah. One, um, one, one, one too many lucrative. I did yeah. watch, I did enjoy watching uh, corners come in and Sherpin not even having to jump, simply just holding his arms up and it landing in them was quite funny. Um, he really is just massive. Um, and at the other end of the pitch, obviously, was the ex Albion keeper that was a bit of a clown show. Um, I will just say very quickly, because we, we like to rag on Sanchez in an equal measure of praise. Um, Chopin looked good, but I tell you what, you did notice that quick dis- distribution as soon as the, the ball was gathered. Chopin had to take a few seconds, figure out where the ball goes, build up a play. Sanchez, is, the ball's out and he knows where it's going. And I, I think this game helped me appreciate a little bit more what Sanchez does in some of that build up. And we talk about it sometimes, but you could see it for yourself here when you watch this game, the absence of it. And he, he has said that he wants to go out on loan, hasn't he? I think he subsequently said after the game that he actively wants to see if he can go out on loan this January. So uh, let's hope that he, he finds a club that he's able to do that with. Um, I know the the club are very good at finding the right team with the right philosophy to have these players enhance and get some game time. Um, so hopefully you can work on that the second half of this year. We're not going to end up with a subs bench at this point. We're going to, everyone's going to be on loan. USG are going to have four, 45 players to choose from. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. They're, they're going to have, they're going to have plenty of depth for Europe next year. Yeah. Um, it's outrageous. Uh, yeah. He did say he wanted to go out on loan and, and I think for him particularly, like you said, like the club will have to work overtime, I think to get themselves the exact team they want to to have him because I think that distribution piece will be a big part of that that desire to send learn that right yeah. yeah yeah um I do enjoy I'm gonna segue on to clown shows uh right now um <laughs> for those NFL fans uh in attendance uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are as fans uh encouraging anybody who is going to the game today to dress up in any kind of clown attire possible uh, as a protest against the clown show of the ownership of the Jacksonville Jags. And that really is just a wonderful thing. Um, so owned by the same owner as, as Fulham, right? It's Shad, yes. Shad Khan, the Khan family. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, maybe hopefully that makes it its way over to Craven Cottage. I'd love to see a bunch of clowns at Craven Cottage, <laughs> sort of a, an alliterative masterclass. Um, it, one thing I wanted to add before we wrap up the bit on this game, Mopay. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about Mopay, but um, we once he gets goals, he plays with confidence. Uh, that first Moda's goal, the ball to Evan Ferguson, was a bit of a sort of a little bit of a finesse. Um, from from Mope to sort of he sort of back healed it, side healed it to get it into his pathway. Obviously scored the second. Um, just again becoming a very important player as we start to discuss the transfer pieces. You have to buy someone that's going to make him work uh, in in as optimal way as possible. Because despite what people say, Neil Mope is a is a Premier League level striker. Um, gone are the days where we start to quote twenty goal a season strikers. That doesn't happen in this league anymore really there's the odd couple but it's more now about what a collection of players can supplement team goals and Mope really plays that role really 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 well yeah, yeah. um definitely uh man of the match for me Jakob Moda probably takes that because he changed the entire game turned it on its head entirely um and was instrumental in both goals um and that's just as much of an indictment of how careless everybody else seemed to have been um with probably the exception of mope uh and, and webu before he went off uh but moda probably stands out for me as the real low-hanging fruit of man of the match yeah completely agree um i, I can't really see anyone past that um if if Mwepu was doing the same thing he was for those first 25 minutes he probably would have got it but um let's hope that that injury is not too serious I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I think Mope was made both goals for the most part. I know you could, again, argue Moda for both of them, but I'll just, I'll be on the other side of that coin. Both of them yeah. were very, very, well, very good with an asterisk next to them. And I don't think anyone was necessarily very good, but got the win. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so let's move on to the January transfer window, because uh, there's already been a fair bit of movement around the league. Uh, and there is there promises to be at least some interest uh, for other movement as well. Uh, Aaron Connolly finally made his move uh, to Borough. I know we covered that slightly in the in the last pod. As basically just thank God um, <laughs> he he can do whatever he wants there now. Um, in terms of other moves around the league for us, uh, Hassan Kamara has gone from Nice to Watford. I think that was a, uh, a a move that they were looking to get across the line in the summer, but didn't manage it. Uh, he's going to be very helpful for them, I think, because he's supposedly half decent. Um, and then the Albion, of course, Casper uh, Kozlowski uh, from a team I'm not going to try and pronounce uh, in Poland has came in uh, for roughly about six to eight million pounds, I believe, and has now gone to USG on loan immediately, um, who will probably get got game time as well. Uh, Ostergaard and Lacardi have both left the club uh, just before no. the weekend. I know it's finally <laughs> over. Maybe it was a uh, it was a weird loan for Ostergaard. He came back from Stoke to go straight to Genoa on loan. Um, so whatever that is, that's fine. Uh, and <laughs> off goes Lacardia to Bochum. Bochum, uh, and I believe he was on the bench today. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I, uh, I, I do want to quickly say though, imagine yeah. if you're Ostergaard, you're. you're you're applying your trade in, in Stoke on Trent, <laughs> and now you're off to Genoa. Um, and, I, and I'll quickly just describe per Wikipedia Genoa is a port city in the capital of northwest Italy's Liguria region. Um, the old town stands the Romanesque Cathedral of San Lorenzo with its black and white striped facade and frescoed interior. Narrow lanes open onto <laughs> monumental squares like Piazza de Ferrari. Um, that's not like Stoke, is it? So well done to him. Uh, who knows what the football's like? But God, that's I mean, a he's, big, big he's, win for him. He's yeah. also, I think he's playing under Shevchenko, isn't he? As well. So that sounds so, about right. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So not not the not the worst person to work underneath either. I think it was a it was a game time issue with Stoke, wasn't it? If he's not getting game time, let's get him somewhere else. Um, he looks close to being first team. I think we've we've seen that before. Um, I think if this if this doesn't work and doesn't get him into the first team picture, then I can see him being sold in the summer. Yeah. Well, they're in the relegation zone, so you'd hope they brought him in to to, to play. Um, yeah, so, strengthen yeah. them back a bit. Um, 
Just a couple of other moves to touch on. Watford, very busy, actually. They they signed Samir as well from Udinese to Watford, the old same club link that, that I used to really praise them for. And now we've got USG, so hopefully we'll be able to do some of those things as well in the summer. Uh, and then Kayembe from Upen, Upen to Watford as well, uh, central defensive midfielder. Um, he was someone I'd, I'd looked at in previous transfer windows if Basuma was to leave. Um, he's a pretty highly rated uh, central defensive midfielder. So he may end up being a pretty good signing for them. Maybe too little too late with Newcastle below them. Uh, probably about to go on a signing spree. Uh, speaking of which, Kieran Trippier comes in to 12, for £12 million. Um, good signing. Yeah, good nice. value as well. Um, not quite good enough to beat Cambridge, but good enough possibly <laughs> long-term uh, to provide some value. And uh, the one that was the weirdest to me uh, was uh, Philippe Coutinho. Uh, from Barcelona to Villa on loan. Um, so plenty of moves already. That's that's quite a lot of, of moves already. And there's a bunch that we haven't talked about because they're just not pertaining at all to it, the Albion in the Premier League. Um, but that's a lot of movement early in January. Um, how, how are we feeling about some of those moves? Any thoughts, feelings, the Newcastle revolution beginning, uh, the Coutinho movement and, and whether Watford are too little too late, really? <laughs> I'll talk about the Villa one quickly just because there's more to Villa obviously isn't there than this particular transfer but the Coutinho one's interesting obviously Barca have been trying to get rid of Coutinho for quite a while went went to Bayern for a little bit um, his wages were the major problem and for what I've read and understand is that Villa are taking on 60% of his wages in full and the other 40% Coutinho is just eating Um so Barca have got him off the wage book, still can't register Ferran Torres, but they've got, they've got a ways to it. And yeah, as Mikey said in the chat here, um, it, there was apparently massive reason for him signing there, or pretty much the entire reason was was to go play for, for Stevie. Um, who knows? Because Coutinho obviously was incredible for a number of years. Uh, and if they actually pull this off to be even half as good as he once was, he's Villa's best player by <laughs> by quite a long way. And that then obviously the knock-on effect for us is that they look like a slightly different side. They're, you know, 13th in the table right now. And they start to then become a different proposition when you start to think, well, hold on. Coutinho, Oli Watkins. Like, there's, a, there's an interesting set of players there. The latest to come out is their interest in... Um, Basuma, they're interested in Luca Dean from Everton. Um, I, I, I'd be surprised if this amount of spending happens that Villa don't suddenly start swapping positions potentially with us if we don't make a large-scale investment because the, the names they're talking about and the, the amount of money they have to spend after Grealish is significant. Yeah, it's helped FFP massively, hasn't it? Um, and Basuma is that man on the shopping list. Uh, the Albion of... of- uh, obviously not intentionally, I'm sure, but the Albion have got themselves into an interesting corner here um, because they have multiple pretty important names uh, with 18 months left on their deal. All this talk yeah. about Bissouma uh, is fine. Um, obviously, he is that man that people will be talking about a lot, and 18 months is not a long time. We're going to start talking cut prices and stuff in the summer if he's not going to sign a new deal. To add to that, though, the players that aren't being talked about because Bissouma is having that spotlight on him, uh, 18 months left on their contract. Adam Lallana, Shane Duffy, Mope, Trossard, McAllister, Veltman, Byrne, and then a bunch of the backups. But that's a lot of very important players for the Albion. Um, if Villa were to come in with £40 million, £50 million uh, for Bissouma this month, do you take it? I'm not sure. I mean, for for Basuma specifically, that's that's the ballpark that we would be asking for, right? Um, whether it would be Basuma wanting to go to Villa if they are going to make a project out of it with Coutinho and starting to spend a significant amount of money on that team. Um, if they offered fifty million, I I think the head would be turned a little bit. I think you would allow the player to speak to them, but. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Where you we calculate it as a sideways move, but if they are going to spend that that amount of money to get up the table, maybe there is a project in place there with with Gerard being backed quite significantly in the transfer market in the next couple of seasons. So, I think he's, if fifty million pounds or close to it, he, he gets sold. Uh, absolutely, 
Um, but I also don't think he moves to Villa. If I move Basuma, I don't move to Villa. I, I, I've got my sights set way higher than Villa. What's best case, even under even under these players we're talking about? Like, no, I, I want to go play European football next season if I'm moving. If not, I stay where I'm happy in Brighton, in a, in a club that's currently in the top 10 halfway through the season and looking good under a great ownership and great management. Um. I can see. I, I think this is one of the ones where potentially this is. And, and Andy Naylor did an article on this earlier today with with that fifty million number out in the Athletic. But I, I really do think that you, if you're Basuma and if you're Brighton, you hope a bid comes in because then that will trigger a domino effect from those other clubs. We talked about Man U before. Liverpool have been talked about multiple times. He is a better player than what Villa are building right now. He just is. Do you think? Uh, that the current legal situation um, could be a reason why those bigger clubs may not touch him this transfer window. Uh, and if the if he's not willing to sign a new deal, uh, is it more a case that the RB may not really give him much of a choice? But to to send it to at least have him talk to Villa if they were to come in with that kind of money, um, because on the pitch, I agree with you, sideways step. For, for just about everything. Money-wise, you would imagine he would probably be doubling or tripling his wages um, if he wanted to, given the outrageous amounts of money they're agreeing to pay for Coutinho as it is on a loan deal. Um, <laughs> Accepting an offer and letting him talk uh, and then the move are obviously two separate things. Um and and I think there's there's a good enough relationship. This is the good thing about having a, a positive relationship with a player and not having a disgruntled employee, essentially, is they can have this discussion with him. Um, they, they'll have probably sat down with him and had early discussions with his agent to figure out the the intent behind whether he wants to renew here, what the conditions would be, what numbers would be, and what is your list of clubs if a bid comes in, is there? A, would you want us to potentially entertain those? Um, and the club has shown, even with Dan Ashworth, with other players that are coming through, where they've got their sights set on other potentially, quote-unquote, um, better opportunities, they've not stepped in the way. Um, so I would hope there's a bit of a sort of a, a mutual respect here where they've aired some of these things out. And even if they come in and they say, well, we'll accept Villa, Ipasima might just turn around, as you say, and go, I'm not really interested in moving there unless they can really impress me with the project and the numbers. Um, so we'll see. We may accept. Will it close? Will it be a closed deal? I don't think so. But you're not, as we've said, you're not going to start to see that these 50 million number. As soon as you miss out on this window, the number's different in the summer. A year left on this contract, clubs start waiting that out. Um, and if you're Liverpool or Man U, you go, I don't care. I'll wait because when he's a free agent, he's going to come to us. We'll just offer him the most money in wages. That's a hefty, hefty sign-on bonus as well for a free, for what is essentially a pre-contract. So, yep. yeah, I think that's it, isn't it, really? Um, you know, at the moment, as Adam said, I... I hope there's some transparency behind the scenes um, and by all accounts and, and all reports, it is fairly transparent behind the scenes that they are having these conversations that um, if, if a player does want to go and talk to a club that we're not going to stand in their way, we've made that pretty clear, but it has to suit us. So if it is the amount of money that we're expecting, then fine. But the way obviously with, with Basuma, everything currently surrounding him and and that sort of ambiguity there i don't think anyone i mean with more stature or the caliber of a liverpool or man united are not gonna they're not gonna come in right now um until everything is sort of cleared up but if he wants to go and speak to villa um fair play as long as the price is right but even in any case i don't i don't see him moving to villa one thing probably worth very quickly clarifying let me cut you off josh is that yeah, legal fine. situation with with the currently unnamed Brighton player that is definitely Basuma. Um, it, he, he is not, I think there's, there was some mistaken wording that went around. He's not completely off the charges for people that haven't picked this up fully. He's, he's been let out, but there's, there's still an investigation going on. So this could, this can still go either way. We, we don't know that he's just able to move freely and do what he needs to do. Um, so there's still an asterisk there, as Craig mentions. What is interesting uh, is that his associate 
some 40 plus year old dude is has not had that same privilege uh he has been his bail has been extended again um so there was talk at the very 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 beginning uh that was totally unsubstantiated who knows what's true and what's not there was a lot of talk at the beginning that the other gentleman in question was the perp more than anybody else there was a couple of others around him Basum was one of those involved whether i mean from that it sounds like it's possibly more accurate than it was uh just rumor or is he being given that dispensation because he's a footballer and it's about to go to mali because as we know with uh with some of the stuff going on right now around the sporting world uh money talks so we're, we're probably not gonna know <laughs> yeah very strange elsewhere uh for the albion there hasn't been much talk about incomings um Everything's been very quiet on the on the forward forward lines. Uh, unsurprising, really. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's it's the Albion in January. What do we expect? Um, I tell you what, I am surprised at though. Uh, no talk of Caicedo coming back yet, which is very strange given how much of a shit show it is at Beer Shot. Um, that surprised me that he wasn't already back with the club uh, this week. Just gone. Um. I bet after Mwepu's injury yesterday and they're them figuring out the severity, there's some feelers that have been put out there because if you miss him for a period of time, we know obviously Basuma's out. Um, you, you might want some cover there. Uh, depends. I, I guess you have Alzate back, but I, I think you're right. You have to get him out of that situation. You really do. Um, some of the names that have been thrown around though, Brewer and Bolo. Switzerland striker, um, Brereton Diaz, and then obviously Inketi has been thrown around. I think, I think, as much to my sadness, the Darwin Nunez train has left the station. <laughs> uh, that that is that is that is that is history. Um, but also, but they've been sort of weak links, and and with every transfer rumor that's mentioned, I feel like we're currently being uh, put alongside West Ham for every one of these striker rumors because seemingly they're also in the market not not i guess they want some more depth outside of michael antonio or maybe for the future too but um i don't really want to be competing with west ham for for the same players either because their checkbook has uh more spaces for zeros yeah for sure uh, i did i did see darwin nunez was um related to newcastle now which would definitely put it at the end of, of the end of everything um <laughs> Eddie Nketiah is one of those players that is also a strange one, right? Because he is out of contract in the summer. So are the Albion and others thinking the same way and thinking, what's the rush? We're in ninth place or wherever we are. We are interested, but let's go get him in six months. Let's start the preliminary stuff now because we're legally allowed to and see if we can't wrap that up day one of the of his contract being out. Um this conversation around Enketia has been had for about two years. I feel like not just with Albion, just every other every other window you hear Eddie Enketia is going somewhere. Um, Albion's name is always associated with it. I think at this point he's not going anywhere until the summer, and I wouldn't be shocked if it is to us come June. Well, Bayer Leverkusen were the ones like last week that were being named. Um, what was it? What was it? The League Cup where he put in that really impressive performance recently. Um, I think it was. Yeah, he scored a he scored a hat trick, didn't he? It, uh, maybe it was the yeah, it was the Carabao Cup. Yeah, um, started, against Sunderland. He started today with Martinelli up front as well. Yes, yeah. I think if if I'm a betting man, I think he stays, given the the chaos around Aubameyang. Um, he's yeah, not long for the club, right. is he? It's a good um, point. Yeah, but I don't know how much longer he's got left on his contract. He earns a fortune. He's not going to. He'll just. He'll just stand pat when he's not going to move anywhere. Just collect his paycheck. The, the the new Arsenal just love these situations, don't they? Ozil, Aubameyang. Who's going to be next to sign a gigantic contract and then just get furious at the club and not play? Um, but Inketia could form a really important part of this really young, novel Arsenal team as a whole. Um, so really, I think he potentially stays yeah I don't, I don't think i 
I mean, it, it looks like, especially with the Aubameyang stuff going around, they are a striker short that he's not going to be playing. So um, having Martinelli, Lacazette and Nketiah, that sounds like a three that you're going to have. Um, I guess their fourth striker, Balogun, just went out to Middlesbrough as well as Connolly. So again, you've got a couple of options there, but I, I don't think they have a lot of striker well, options, especially if they're going to freeze out Aubameyang. So I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if he does stay. So, yeah, but that leaves us in it. it I guess maybe we go back to these Burton Diaz rumors that seem to be ever, ever evolving, which of course they are because he's a championship player who is sort of, I mean, not come out of nowhere because he's been playing, but the, the goal volume that he scored this season has certainly come out of nowhere and now looks like a, an absolute world beater. And as soon as those situations arise, all the Premier League clubs' names get thrown around immediately, don't they? There doesn't seem a lot of resistance to him potentially being sold by management at Blackburn. There isn't. Um, they just want the money. Uh, which they've, is, they've gone on okay. record more than once, yeah. In the last week or so, they've just been like... The price, if the price is right. Yeah, if he wants to go, sure, we'll sell him. And they're sitting I, in second right now, which is baffling, isn't it? You, but I mean, we don't know what their finances look like. Um, it may be a case great. that this could be. Yeah, you would assume not if they're willing to to throw that away. That because you know he's scored 20, 20 goals uh, of their of their season so far. They've scored forty three altogether. Um, you know, you take away those goals and even replace them with just half and they're sat in 14th and 15th. Um, so he's clearly that driving force to come up. Or, as... I mean, devil's advocate as well. Maybe they just know that this is a flash in the pan. I mean, it's, bro, I think in terms of Diaz, he, he's having a season of a lifetime, but maybe they just think this is a, a one season where it's just all clicking um, and they want to maximize the profit off of that. Um, you know, there's always those like situations as well. Um, you get... I mean, I don't want to pick on Craig McHale Smith or any kind, but you know, when when you have those sort of players as well that do have a very good season and a one-off outstanding season, and they never really live up to that one season after the fact, um, you sort of cash in and you wait for the next one to come through. Um, I could be completely yeah. wrong, but again, but no, no one knows, did it? And that's the beauty of this kind of situation. You have to say there's no. If there was a sure thing, we wouldn't be able to afford them. Um, and that's when we get into these situations where you have to go, can this person take the next step up? Um, I I, I want to make a run for him purely based on the fact that he, he's got the, the South American connection, plays for Chile, but the fact that he he he, he was born and another Stoke shout out, born in Stoke on Trent. So, and he's <laughs> played for them in, for his youth career. So, so we actually can say when you ask the question, can he do it on a cold rainy night in Stoke? <laughs> Yeah, arguably, yes. Yeah, he has done from a young um, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was putting, he was like Bane, he was born, yeah, born he was to molded that. by Stoke, <laughs> molded by the wind and rain. Um, that, that, remi- that reminds me though, um, of another striker who is at Stoke, Abdullah I know he's been injured for a fair bit, he's back with us right now, isn't he? Uh, he, yeah, he's been, he just hasn't played, he played what, two games. Mm. I looked him up the other day. Um, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he had an injury that meant he came back to us, but I, I'm unsubstantiated in that. I don't know the answer to it, but I do. He is the one, isn't he? Didn't we say can't be recalled um, when we were looking into this? I don't believe he can be recalled, so um, just, even just, if he's back. Yeah, getting treatment here. Yeah, not sure. He's so. It's 22nd of December. I think uh, it's returned to Brighton temporarily as he gets over injuries. So the, the loan isn't cancelled, but he's back with us for treatment. Yeah, it looks like they're talking about potentially cancelling it so we can get surgery. Yeah. Fun. Well, the good news P- is... Persistent oh. pelvic groin and back problems. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just been having too much fun in Stoke on Trent. I was about to say, that's that's three different areas of the body. So that's, that's some serious problems. Right, yeah, and so they're all in a certain area, aren't they? Yeah, you're right. Maybe, yeah, that's a different definition of a cold, rainy night in Stoke. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got nothing else. Um, I'm sure that over the next two weeks, we'll see an awful lot unfold um, in terms of actual substance to these moves. Uh, we are still early on, despite the moves that have been made. We are still early on. Um, 
all eyes on Friday, Palace at home. Uh, we are once again ahead of last season's head-to-head fixture results, um, which is lovely. Uh, we'd fell behind because of that ridiculous run we had last year of beating Liverpool and Man City and all that sort of stuff. We predictably uh, fell behind the curve. Um, beating Everton put us back ahead of it. Um, our next two games, we lost both of those last year. This one was particularly brutal. Um, so any points gained from here, unless there are more points to the pot uh, compared to where we were last year, which is great. Um, I'm always, before before you guys hopped on, that was one of my things I was looking for was just progress from season to season. If it's 50 and 51 points one season and one season the next, I'll take it. Um, and we seem to be doing that. Uh, Palace are a very different outfit this year, though, aren't they? They are much improved uh, under Vieira, which is odd given how bang average Vieira has been everywhere else. He seems to have just caught lightning in a bottle here. Yeah, didn't um, see this happening. Credit to him. I don't think anyone did. Um, and and they're doing very well. Um, so the game is probably not going to be anywhere near as lopsided as it was uh, last year. Um, and and this one's going to be a tough one, I think, for both sides. It's going to be interesting. I, is Zahar at the AFCON? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as much as we hate to say it, and I, I think being uh, very partisan, is that he always makes a difference in these games because he gets it. Um, he absolutely detests us and we detest him. Um, and he does make a difference because he, he gets what this fixture is about. So him missing for this um, is a plus, I think. Uh, completely. He's he's absolutely odious, isn't he? He's he, just a, a, an awful, awful, annoying player that you absolutely feel obligated to hate. Um, uh, even if he didn't play for Villa, uh, uh, Palace, I think I'd hate him. <laughs> uh, like it, just anyone. It's just such a. He always just looks like he's trying to start something just horrendous and just annoy. But I, I imagine it's probably what Mope feels like for for other teams. Yeah, um, and knock up. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will this will be an interesting game. Um, I think <coughs> I know. Obviously, all eyes are on this game at the moment. But where my iris is scanned to is this that run of games starting in February, which is which is Watford, Burnley, Villa, Newcastle. I think that's where the season's won or lost. Um, that feels very very important to me, and the fact that now. This FA Cup draw against Spurs will take place in and around those. So I think between Feb 4th and Feb 7th is when that game will be played. So that will be between the Leicester and the Watford and the yep. Watford game. Yeah. Big, big month, February for us. It really yeah. will be. Um, but hopefully some momentum coming off of this Palace game because Chelsea and Leicester is going to be tough. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Um, And I'm glad that we're getting that out of the way, the Chelsea game, because of the fact that it is a tough game. Um, I'd rather get it out of the way in January as opposed to it being plopped right in the middle of Watford and Burnley, for example. Um, Because like you say, I think we can... I mean, if we take six points from both of those which is doable, which is not, you know, even uh, even when we were 11 winless, those two were doable. Um, you know, that puts us at 33, 35 points at that point. We're, we're just about, we're, I mean, that's it. We're done. We're safe. We can we can look on to, to see how far up the, up the table we can go. Um, so it's going to be important, I think, to, to get rid of some of these tougher games in hand that we've got. Cause I think all three of I think we have three in games in hand, don't we? Chelsea, Spurs and United. So if we can not have them pop right in the middle of games that are winnable would be lovely. And this is a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see about that. I I do. If if we walk away from January with Ibasuma still at the club, um, everything suddenly becomes hyper magnified in my opinion because you have the ability then to my eyes go away from relegation i may regret saying this but i i would have to imagine that there's a certain position that we end up the season in and a certain level of morale and when you walk away from the season where we could say wow we saw some progress this year and eve basuma goes i do not want to leave this club and this project or you can absolutely lay an egg 
and you're around 15th, 16th, 17th kind of situation, he goes, it's time for me to go because we're never going to get out of this. It's big, big, big dominoes and big situations that are going to happen over the course of the next couple of months um, based on some of these results and some of these moves. I, I don't think that's just Basuma. I, I'd be worried no. about. I would be worried about Trossard feeling exactly the same way. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone of that caliber that we've again raved about that would fit into any team in this league and and do a job. Um, someone that has been here for a while and see, like you said, if we do lay that prospective egg and we we end up fifteenth, sixteenth again, that's three, four seasons in a row now, and it's like it's, it's very hard to justify and try and get them to buy into a project without tangible statistical results you can look at xg as much as you want um but i think we we keep this squad together in january and we see just how high we can go just so we can yep. say look there is there is categorical progress not only for us inside the club but everyone looking in yeah and, and when we say lay an egg i think we're saying from the perspective of we're in ninth now and and there's you know the, the expectations have potentially moved a little bit the goalposts have moved a, a bit based on the progress that we're seeing here. Whereas I think if you walk into this season and say 15th, you, you don't call that necessarily a disaster, do you? But yeah. And and you've got to remember, uh, unlike some of those other players, your Mopes uh, and even your Basumas to an extent that are going out of contract in, what, 18 months' time, this is, Trossard is a year or two older than them. So mm. he's going to be 28 when that comes around. That's his last big contract that he's going to be looking at, that one. That's that kind of that. That's that golden goose, isn't it, for a lot of these players, especially for teams like Brighton uh, that may well be able to, you know, Trossard may well be able to get the attraction of an Arsenal and Manchester United that may well end up sitting on the bench all the time. But in terms of what he wants to do with his career, if he if he looks to cash out, that that's that's the time. That's the age range. He's peaked. He's at his footballing peak, and that's where he can get that outrageous amount of payday uh for for some of these bigger clubs who are willing to take a punt on players that are ready now as opposed to ready in five or six years for these players that need to set themselves up for the rest of their life almost as well you know you, you got to think if, if i take a payday for the next three years yeah i mean and who's going to begrudge a player for doing that at, the, at that sort of prime age as well, especially for a winger who's playing international football on the regular basis? Um, there needs to be progress. Otherwise, these players will probably look elsewhere, despite how great this project is and how good Graham Potter is. The club is OK with this. Hence why you see us signing Casper yeah. uh, Kozlowski for... I'm trying to say his name properly. What, 8 million euros, wasn't it? Yeah. This is why we signed Seymour at the end of the last transfer window. These kind of young, promising Matoma. players. Matoma, exactly. He's a little bit older, but yeah, exactly. There is a there's a process that happens here. And we know if these players then head out. And, and frankly, the club, this is by design. And the ideal scenario that unfolds is the one that we're collectively witnessing. Which is the potential if you sell Ben White for fifty million, you sell Eve Basuma for forty to fifty million, and that buys you four to five of these lottery tickets, if I want to call them that. And if two of them pop, well, you've just made a bunch of money, and the club continues to go from strength to strength for those period of years. You yeah. also then are able to use that money to reinvest in maybe some of those key players' contracts you want to keep. Yep. Right. So yep. you get rid of Basuma for forty-five million pound this summer because you know it's a case of if and not when. For, for well, when and not if <laughs> um and you know you know someone's going to come knocking in a year's time anyway and we don't have a choice so why not sell him now and put you know 10 million of that 50 million into some juicy sign up re-sign on fees for trossard and mope if they're two players that you see as integral and less likely to get those massive can't possibly turn down bids and you've you've then re- recycled that money efficiently too yeah, completely agree. And yeah. you're gonna you you are gonna also have some money available with some of those players that are gonna leave. Pascal Gross isn't gonna start this club after his contract ends. I think there's gonna be a mutual goodbye there. And Pascal Gross earned some money. We talked, just talked about this last week. Um, so that money goes into some of these. I'd rather see Veltman earn a little more money and be renewed because his value to me is worth a lot more now than what Gross is. Um, I think that's obvious. I don't think there's gonna be much. Uh, you know, argument with that. Yeah. 
I think depending on what we're looking like attacking wise, I think you're going to probably see Welbeck go as well um, this summer, depending on what we're looking like in terms of our ambitions of signing strikers. If we, you know how we signed Andone very quickly a couple of years ago. If we have one of those in the pipeline and we think that we can get that player in, we're probably not going to renew him. Um, you've got your, you know, your Malumbis. Are you going to keep him? He's done nothing. He hasn't really ever made it. Jason Steele, is it time for him to go off and and Sherpin being that number two and someone else coming up from the youth ranks? Your your Ostergaards, are you going to let him go to Genoa or have you even maybe done a deal already with Genoa? Where it's a case of if you stay if you stay up, you owe us X amount of money and he can come to you on a perm. Like I feel like there's a lot of these players that over the next two years you're going to see a lot disappear. Um, or yeah, or you use them as bargaining tools, like the Brereton Diaz with Van Heck and Kadra both being there. You know, yep. you, you're talking about, and I hate saying, you know, you've got assets here in in these young players that you can use them, you know, to sell to get more money for other situations, or you can use them as bargaining chips. And you can say, you know, we'll we'll give you one of these players in return for this cash plus player deals. We've all played Football Manager, we get it, but. It, it, mm. you can you can do a lot with a lot of these young people that we're investing in um you know we have the idea is to make your money back on them some way or form and you've got we haven't even discussed a couple of these players that are out on loan at the moment some of them we have but if trossard goes okay well i've got 24 year old matoma who's looking good already he's uh, that he's trusted on the previous contract coming in, replacing him potentially. You've got Andy Zakiri, who hopefully is at a point where maybe he can come in and play that Welbeck role. Obviously, vast differences in quality right now, but you're looking towards the potential coming out of these. Um, can Matt Clark come in and do a job for you at this point? Is is, is he there yet? Um, in case one of your central defenders moves on, and someone like a Dan Byrne, who, as we discussed, has been outstanding lately. Um, Tough to see what the future holds. Basuma is the one for me, though, that is just he is he's going to be very tough to replace because when we talk about buying lottery tickets and potential on these players, Basuma is the, the end game version of that, as in you found a world class player. Yep. Uh, you don't find those real easy. It's, there was always questions with Ben White. He's young. There's questions that, is he worth that 50 million? We'll take the 50 million. With Basuma leaving, I'm thinking, well, the 50 million is nice, but God, Basuma is a hell of a player. That's one of the ones, it? it is one of the ones where you think, but he's destined not to be here long anyway. Even if he had another four years on his contract, we'd be lucky to see him this time next year. Um, yeah. It's a rough one. Yeah. Uh, I think that's everything, though. I think that's all. I think, I think we're pretty much covered. Um, so, I guess the only other one is just the Lamptey nonsense that's going about. But let's not let's not talk too much about that. Um, everyone wants Lamptey. It's always spread about in the papers for absolutely no reason. Um, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, Lamptey and Kukure are going nowhere right now. No, I think this summer we were, we may well be talking about Tarek Lamptey an awful lot um, when we you know once we start talking about whenever we're going to do those pods in the summer, probably like once a month or whatever we end up doing because of how little we can end up seeing. But I suspect of those rare and few and far between pods, I feel like Tarek Lamptey's name may be a central figure in a lot of them. Like you said, today, no. We're, we're not going to see anything of substance, I don't think. On to Palace. Friday, On to Palace. Friday yes. night. Yeah, it can make or break a weekend that I hate the Friday night kickoffs because it can really just put an absolute shitter on everything. That's ex- exactly what it is. Like it, it ruins the next few days of my life. <laughs> so um, let's, let's see if uh, I obviously afternoon off, <laughs> make sure I can pay full attention to this. And uh, Oh, there's no, there's no doubt. Is there really? So uh, we ex- play on, I don't mean to cut you off, but the Chelsea game, isn't it? Only a few days after that as well. Mm. Yeah. Tuesday, I think Friday and then Tuesday to, yep. <laughs> And then five days after that, so Sunday against Leicester, is that right? Yeah, off to the King No Power Stadium, uh, famous <laughs> yesterday for their, for their power. Good. Um, what a mess that was. Uh, yeah, all right, cool. So we will be back next weekend. Uh, 
there's been a lot lot of movement in this first week, so we may well have plenty to talk about next week as well. Uh, if we don't, we'll have a match way worth talking about compared to this one this week anyway, but for better or worse. Um, so <laughs> we will be back next week. I want the position to be as we come off, we score a late winner against Palace and we do an emergency live podcast straight after the game. That's dream scenario. It is. It, re- it really is the dream scenario. There's no other way I'd rather spend my Friday evening <laughs> in an emergency podcast because Mope has just caused a riot. He's, uh, he's done it again. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, we will speak this time next week or earlier, hopefully earlier, because that would be a good reason. Um, and yeah, have a good week, everybody. Be safe out there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Cheers, guys. <laughs>